Hi there, this is Jacob Msiba, the senior pastor of Builders Church. I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to our podcast today. And I trust that it will bless and build your spirit. Enjoy the message and God bless you. It's not a religion. This faith is not a title of Christianity. This faith is Jesus Christ. And so my subject flowing in the same theme is the positive side effects of faith. I had to be intentional with saying the positive side effects of faith. Because for many times, when you hear side effect, there is a negative connotation to it. When you hear side effect, it means there is something bad or some bad, yeah, we are dying. Remember when the vaccine came? We all looked for the side effects which were negative, right? And I had to be intentional with saying there are positive side effects when it comes to the faith. Let me make an example of a positive side effect. You know, when you plant a tree in your garden, you are doing good for the environment. Am I right? But the immediate benefit for you there is that that tree will make your garden look good and it will provide shade. So it is the, it is the law of cause and effect that to every action there is a reaction. So we see that planting a tree is for the good of the environment, but it does good for you in the immediate. And when it comes to faith, I always say this, that faith at its primary core, it gives us an eternal inheritance, right? But it also has earthly experiences. It has earthly benefits in our lives. And it is when we take that faith and not just use our faith in Jesus as a ticket to get into heaven one day and allow that faith to become a reality in our lives. Let's look at Romans 1 verse 17. It reads, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, The just shall live by... The just shall live by... So faith is not just a belief system. It is a lifestyle. Our faith in Jesus Christ, as I said... It is not just a section of Christianity, but faith in Jesus filters through our everyday life. Our faith in Jesus must filter through how we live and how we do relationships and how we do business and how we do our careers and how we live out our callings. Our faith in Jesus speaks to how we approach life and look at it. It is not like our faith in Jesus is just put in a shelf of a Sunday service. And then on Monday, I'm having a different outlook in life. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. It means faith becomes your lifestyle. It is not just one section in your life. It filters through everything. Your faith in Jesus informs how you do marriage. Your faith in Jesus informs how you do relationships. Your faith in Jesus determines how you do business. Your faith in Jesus determines how you handle an argument with your wife. (laughs) 
You know, many a times, because I'm a pastor's kid, I grew up through church circles for a very long time. I often would hear people to say, when the tire hits the road, I will put my faith aside and deal with you one-on-one. Have you had people like that? I will put this salvation that I have, I will put it one side and approach you as I am. I'll show you who I am. But the, Romans 1.17 says, the just shall live by faith. So even when you have anger, faith filters your anger. You don't just put faith aside and say, let me entertain this anger. You don't put faith aside and say, let me borrow you for two minutes so you know who I am. Faith informs how you handle your life's issues. Because the just shall live by faith. It is our lifestyle. It is the air we breathe. It is not just a Sunday performance. It is who God has called us to be. So our faith in Jesus frames our world. As I said, faith in Jesus does not give us only an eternal inheritance. It's meant to give us an earthly experience. That's why David says in the book of Psalms, he said, I would have fainted had I not believed that I would see the goodness of God where in the land of the living. Meaning faith must be effective in the land of the living. I must not only enjoy the benefits of faith one day in the sweet by and by in heaven in glory when I'm walking on the streets of gold. David says I am convinced that while I am in the land of the living, this faith that I believe in Jesus will benefit my immediate life in the life now and today. In the land of the living, faith must work. In this land. Faith must work. In these messy politics, faith must work. During load shedding, faith must work. In the land of the living. So God wants us to have a divine earthly experience because of our faith. You see, our hope in Jesus is not so that one day we'll enjoy life. Our faith in Jesus says, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, it says, now faith. So faith has now results. Faith has now benefits. Faith has now joy. It is not in the sweet by and by. That's why Jesus prayed and said, Father, I pray that you do not take them out of this world, but you make them one. So Jesus is in no rush to take us to heaven. He wants us to enjoy our faith on earth and its benefits. So while we live with a purpose of an eternal reality, we must live in the now and enjoy the faith in our lives today. The just shall live by faith. And as we talk about positive side effects of faith, we're going to look at the five effects that faith has in our lives. There are more effects, but we're just going to focus on five today. Are we good? The first effect is that faith affects our lifestyle and behavior. Faith affects our lifestyle and behavior. And today we're going to camp on Hebrews 11. Look at what it says. Hebrews 11 and verse 23. 
It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child. And they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. What I want us to see here is that Moses at his birth was hidden. Because the parents perceived that he was an unusual child. Right? The parents saw that this one is special. They realized that this child we have called Moses is extraordinary. Now the law in the land imposed by Pharaoh was that every male child at birth must be killed. There was the law. There was the status quo. There was the popular belief that every male child to be born in Egypt must be killed. But when Moses' parents perceived that this Moses is special, they were like, we're not going to allow Moses to go down the road of everyone. We're going to hide him because he is special. We're going to set him apart because he's unusual. This is what faith does. The hidden part of Moses is our part of consecration. The hidden part of Moses is our part of separation. That while we are in the world, we cannot mix ourselves with the issues of the world. We must allow ourselves to be hidden by God. When they saw that Moses was special, they were like, we know the law that is reigning is Pharaoh's law. But we will now obey the law of the kingdom that says Moses will be hidden. Moses will be separated. Moses will be set apart. I always say that as a child of God, you can't be available for everything and everyone. There has to be an exclusivity about your life because you are special and you carry a special anointing on the inside of you. You were not bought cheap. You were washed by the blood of Jesus on the cross and that causes you to be special. Therefore, allow yourself to be separated. Allow yourself to be consecrated. When they saw that Moses was special, they hid him. Not everything goes. As a child of God, you don't just flow with anything. You don't just flow with common spirits. There has to be a part where you draw the line in the sand and say, these are my boundaries. Listen, when Paul, Paul is the one who preached liberty in Christ, but he still called himself a prisoner of Christ. Meaning my freedom in Christ has some imprisonment. My freedom in Christ does not mean I'm free to live in sin. It means I'm free to live for God. So even though there is liberty in Christ, there is a section in my life where I make myself a prisoner. I do not allow myself to be free. I bring myself to myself. Because I believe I carry something special. It is not every DM in my inbox that deserves my entertainment. Because I am special. There has to be a point where you separate yourself. Our freedom in Christ does not mean we should be liberal. It means we should be principled. There has to be a part where you make yourself a prisoner. You make yourself a prisoner. And it's not God who imprisons us. It's Paul who said, by the principles that God gives me, by the commands that God gives me, I imprison myself with them. 
So I am free in Christ, but I'm not liberal in the world. You see, God in His power still has boundaries. The reason why we are alive today and there is a separation between the ocean and the land is because God put boundaries. He said to the ocean, this is where you will end. A limitless God still has boundaries. If God did not have boundaries, this earth would have been chaos. So to bring order and structure in this enormous world as a supreme God, he said, I will put boundaries as God. When they saw that Moses was special, they hid him. You see, there are some places you cannot be found at. There are some associations you cannot be found at. There are some relationships you cannot be mingling with. Because you are special. And God is hitting on the area of relationships. Because sometimes we run the risk of saying, I am in the world and I need to associate with them to win them to Christ. While we are separated, we should not be isolated. But you must know how to maneuver these relationships. Are they influencing you or are you influencing them? Be separated. You know, your life trajectory is influenced. A part of it is influenced by your associations. You are where you are today, not because you prayed, but because of your association. And you cannot be found entertaining everything, going everywhere with everyone. Yeah, at Gonka. Be separated, be set apart. Can I bring it home? Not everyone who preaches the gospel is worthy of your like and subscribe on YouTube. Because there are many gospels. There are many gospels. Not everyone who preaches the Bible needs your ear. When you are special, you become selective with who you listen to. In this house, we are taught about a lamp for a house. Eat the lamp that is provided in this house. Don't mix your faith. You can be inspired by other preachers, but make sure that you are eating at home. Just make sure you are eating at home. As parents, you'd be worried if your child comes back every time saying, I'm full. You'd wonder, where are you eating? Who is feeding you? Now, when God calls you to a spiritual home, God wants you to feed and feast here. Sometimes we are planted in a house, but we know more taglines and quotes of international preachers more than our spiritual parents. That's, far, that's as far my Zulu can go. When they saw that Moses was special, they hid him. So don't be afraid to be hidden because special things are hidden. Let's look at the other effect of faith. Faith affects your decisions. Hebrews 11 verse 24. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. 
Now, being called a son of Pharaoh's daughter came with many privileges. It came with many benefits. It came with many pleasures. But at this point, Moses decided to deny pleasure for purpose. He decided to eliminate himself with the privileges that comes with being a grandson of a king for the sake of an eternal purpose. But he decided that. Remember in the earlier verse, Moses' parents decided that he will be hidden. But now when Moses matures and grows up, he decides for himself to be separated and hidden. He decides for himself to align with the destiny that God has set for him. Now here is what matters. That God can have good plans for our lives. But until we decide to align to them, those good plans will not come to fruition. They saw that Moses was special as a child. They hid him because they knew he has a divine destiny. But when Moses grew up, he needed to connect to that destiny his parents saw by his daily decisions. So God in Jeremiah 29, 11 can say, I have good plans for your life. But it's your daily decisions that will propel God's prosperity plan in your life. This is what I call destiny decisions. That while God has good thoughts for you, we need to wake up every day and align to those good thoughts by our decisions. He decided, I'm not going to be called Pharaoh's grandson. I will separate myself. I will take the beating. I will pay the price of what it means to not be a child of Pharaoh. I will concede those benefits for the sake of an eternal purpose. So each and every day, as we make decisions on who to marry, as we make a decisions on who we associate with, as we make a decision of which career to follow, it's aligning with our destiny. God can have good plans for your life, but it's your decisions that propel them or destroy them. God's plans for our lives, they're not on autopilot. They're not by default. They are by design. God's plans for our lives are by design. That's why God is interested in leading us. The Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Not the sprints, the steps. God is interested in those small decisions we make each and every day. Because they lead us to destiny. It might be a small decision, but it's a destiny decision. And faith affects how we judge situations. Faith affects how we decide when it comes to finances. It filters through our decisions. It filters through our decisions. Let me make an example. When you believe that you want to have one wife, it, what informs that decision? Is it, is, it, is it a good idea for you 
or is it God informing that decision? Because if that is a good idea for you, at times that good idea can change. But when it's God who decides that for you, that decision is constant. So some principles that we claim we uphold, are they because we feel like entertaining those principles? Or is it because God is aligning those principles with our lives? Because if your decisions end with you, you are weak to change those decisions. But if your decisions end with God, even when you are weak, you are like, but God, you decided. This is what Jesus said, Lord, if it is possible, take this cup away from me. However, not my will, but your will be done. At this moment, I may not feel like going to the cross, but let it not be based on my decision. It does not end with me. It ends with you. I may not feel good about it. I may not feel like coming to church, but that is not based on my feelings. My devotion to church is decided by the one who ordained the local church and said, do not forsake the gathering of the believers. So when one morning I do not feel like coming to church and serving God, God, I must not entertain my feeling and say, it's not my will, but your will. It's not my feelings, I'm, fe I'm in my feels. But let your decision stand in my life. Let your decision stand in my life. It's faith that must filter our decisions. When you say you're a tither, is it because they taught you tithe at home? Or is it because God has brought it as a revelation into your life? Because when they just taught it from home, once you've outgrown it, you can just leave it and say, no, I'll see this. I'll start a new religion around it. But when it's a revelation from God, even when your finances don't make sense, it's not my will, but your will. It was by faith that Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Do you know that movie, Yes Man? Okay. But this guy was put up on a challenge because he, he was a guy of many no's. Like he was saying a lot of no's in his life. And he got a challenge to be a yes man. And there was a prize after that. And he changed his life from no's to yes. And sometimes that yes would get him into trouble. But because he was looking at the end result, he had to comply by the yes. But as children of God, we need to adopt no's. There's nothing wrong with saying no. There's nothing wrong with saying I cannot come for that dinner date. There's nothing wrong with saying I cannot come for that coffee. And I don't need to justify my no. It's my faith. I don't need to convince you. It's my faith. Moses refused. What are you refusing in your life? What does that saying, how does that saying go in Zuli? Yeah. Sasem Kakwen. Yeah. And I know 
Let me not mess up Zulu in a Zulu land. I won't go home alive. Yeah. No, uh, come to Gauteng. We'll baptize you in Setswana. And hear how it goes. Eh? But Moses refused. There's got to be things we refuse. We've got to make intentional decisions that are aligned with our destiny. Let us look at the other effect. Are we still good on time? Faith affects your vision. Okay, do you want to help me connect again? Faith affects your vision. And we're going to find that in Hebrews 11 verse 22. It reads, it was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. Faith affects your vision. Faith affects your outlook on life. Faith affects your perspective. Here we found, find Joseph, who was part of an authority cluster in Egypt. And he saw himself dying in Egypt as Joseph. And at his deathbed, Joseph made a decree. He said, guys, even as I die in Egypt, even as you bury me in Egypt, there is a day of deliverance that will come. There is a day of freedom that will come. There is that day called one day that will come where God will open the Red Sea and our freedom will come. Joseph said, even though you might bury me in Egypt, when that day comes when God takes us to Canaan, take out my bones from Egypt and go bury me at our promised land. So when Joseph was dying, his vision was coming alive to say, I'm dying with a living vision. There is a day where freedom will come and will go to Canaan. When that day comes, I may be buried here, I may be dying here, but take up my bones and bury me in Canaan. Joseph moved his eyes from his reality. While on his deathbed, Joseph moved off his eyes from what he was seeing and said, I die, but I'm seeing a greater day ahead. I may be dying, but I'm seeing a greater future ahead. There's a day where the children of Israel will be liberated from the bondage of Egypt. Therefore, I will die and die in peace because I know our future is certain in God. When you have faith, you see things differently. You do not see problems for what they are, but you see the promise of God over the problems. What are you seeing when everything around your life is dying? What are you perceiving when everything is going aside bad and negative you gotta see differently and see with God's perspective Joseph saw the promise than the problem of bondage when you have faith you see differently when you have faith you perceive situations with a different eye. You see the end from the beginning. Even though the process may be hard, even though it may be painful, but you live with that burning vision in your heart that God is taking you somewhere. When you close your eyes, what do you see? Vision is a picture of a desired future. I love one preacher who says that vision is a blank canvas in your heart and God allows you to paint on it. 
What are you painting on the canvas of your heart? What picture are you drawing on the canvas of your heart? Faith affects your vision. I define vision this way. If you see it, you will see it. If you see it with your heart, you will see it with your eyes. The eyes of our hearts must be enlightened. And what we see with our hearts is filtered by faith. We do not just see anything. We see what the word promises our lives. You see, as we define our dreams, what is defining those dreams? Is it fantasy or God's imagination? As you see yourself, God prospering you in business, in your spaces, is it just a fantasy of your ambition or do you see it as God's imagination for your life? Because God has dreams and visions for our lives and he wants them to sit in our hearts. Remember, when God wanted to do something in Abraham's life, he took Abraham out of his tent. When Abraham was closed in the frames of the tent, God said, Abraham, I want to do something. But before I do it, you need to see it. Come out of your tent. Move out. Lift up your eyes and see. And God said to Abraham, as far as you can see, so will it be unto you. As far as you can see, as many stars as you count, so will be your descendants. So will be your children. But all that I can do for you as God in my power is as far as you can see. So my power is not limited to me as God. My power is limited to your vision. Your vision gives me room to move in your life. So if you don't see, I won't start moving. As far as you can see Abraham, so will I do it for you. So God is waiting us to start seeing things for him to start moving. God is waiting for us to give him our imagination so that he can start moving. God is waiting for you and I to perceive a greater future so that he can start moving. He said, Abraham, it's as far as you can see. All that I can do is as far as you can see. If you don't see yourself healed, there's nothing I can do about it. If you don't see yourself breaking out, there's nothing I can do about it. I can only do as far as you can see. You give, we give God our imagination so that he, ex, he can exceed them. Ephesians 3.20 says, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly. Above what? Above what? Above what we can think, ask, or imagine. God can only exceed what we imagine. So if there is no imagination, there is nothing God can exceed on. Give God your imagination. It is time that we dream again. It is time that we envision again. It is time we ask God to cleanse our eyes so we can behold greater things beyond our reality because God will do it as far as you can see. If you don't see it, God can't do it. I always say, if you can't see it, don't pray for it. Don't pray for it if you can't see it. Pray for what you see. Remember, remember Daniel, when he was in the bondage of Babylon, 
with the Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, part of Daniel's prayer schedule is that he would pray looking towards Jerusalem. They were in bondage in Babylon. But when he prayed, he was looking at the promised Jerusalem. Because if you don't see it, don't pray for it. You must only pray for what you see. So Daniel positioned himself with the promise and said, I'm going to pray according to what I see. Because as far as I can see, God will do it. God will do it. It is our vision that informs God's possibilities. It is our vision that informs how God can move. God is waiting for you and I to see. That's why there's something important about looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, whereby you remove your eyes from your problem, you remove your eyes from your reality and look at Jesus and the promises he has for us on the cross and you allow that to inform your vision. Because when you see Jesus, you see your realm, not your reality. Because there are realms and realities. Your reality is what's happening around you. But your realm is what God has provided for you. It's time we see from our realm, not our reality. When Joseph was dying and he was buried in Egypt, he decided not to use his reality, but his realm. Oh, I see that day when Moses will lead the children of Israel out of the bondage of Pharaoh. And when that comes, I want to be part of that freedom. Take out my bones and go bury me in the promised land. He died in Egypt, but seeing the future. We die seeing. We cry seeing. We hurt seeing. We are discouraged, but we see something. We may be in pain, we see something. We may be on our deathbed, but that does not stop us from seeing. We see. You may laugh at me right now, but I'm seeing something. It might be painful right now, but I'm seeing something. You may think it's the end of me here in Egypt, but I see something. How you move, I'm seeing something. When Joseph was dying, he decided not to see his death but to see the life that's coming for his generation. When you cry because they disappointed you, don't stop seeing. When they retrench you at work, don't stop seeing. When you lose that contract, don't stop seeing. Because your destiny and potential is not tied to your reality. There is a realm that God has located for your possession see something. Joseph was dying, but he kept seeing. Can I bring it to Builders Church? As, as Pastor Jacob and Pastor Mazote lead us, we have to see how they see. Part of us coming around here is to enhance the vision and see that as Builders Church in Hillcrest, this is not all that God has for us. What are we seeing beyond this? Do you see multiple services? Do you see this church packed? Do you see breaking out and this venue is too small? How do you see? 
we are called to see. It's faith that informs our vision. You know, sometimes in ministry, things can be tough. But what keeps us moving is what we see. Sometimes our accountants, I'm in full-time ministry as an executive pastor. Our accountants will tell us that this month is tough. But as tough as it is, I make sure I don't stop seeing. We may not be, it may not be possible to meet some financial obligations, but money will not stop me from seeing. I will see under budget. I will see when people come and don't, don't come. I will continue seeing because my vision is not informed by my reality. It's informed by the realm of God's word. Faith informs our vision. Are we good? The fourth one, faith affects your speech. I'm messing up with the guys. I'm losing them. Sorry, guys. Faith affects your speech. Hebrews 11 verse 3. Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. Let's read that again. Faith empowers us to see that the, that the universe was was created beautifully and coordinated by the power of God's words. He spoke and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. So there is a realm that can give birth to the things in the natural. But it's our words that conceives and gives birth to them. God spoke and the invisible realm became a reality. Oftentimes we speak our reality, but God says, speak the language of your realm over your reality. Let the weak say, you are weak now, it's your reality, but your realm says you are. So you announce your realm over your reality. Genesis 1, when you read how God formed and created the universe and the earth, he spoke. God said, and it was. God said, and it was. Faith affects your speech. Faith affects how you talk. You know, as we experience baptisms in our Christian journey, we experience water baptism when we are brought into the nature of Christ. We experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But one of the other baptisms that we must experience in our faith journey is the baptism of our tongue. Our tongue must catch fire. In Isaiah 6, the Bible says, when Isaiah saw the glory of God, the Bible says an angel removed coals from the altar and he put them on Isaiah's lips 
burning coals, God moved them from the altar and put them on Isaiah's lips because Isaiah's lips were unclean. And Isaiah had to experience the baptism of the tongue where your tongue catches fire. Faith affects our speech. You see, if you are a child of God and you still entertain vulgar, the tongue is unbaptized. You see, it's, it's easy to see who you are or to know who you are by how you speak. By how you speak to your wife. You see, now I don't have respect for any guy who speaks bad with his wife, especially in public. Because it already tells me at home it's, it's culling. It's lit. Faith affects our speech. There needs to be a coal of fire that touches our tongue. And when our tongue is on fire, we spit fire. We spit the word of God. We speak the truth of God's word. We announce the word of God. Faith affects our speech. You see, when your tongue is baptized, we stop saying, hey, go rough, go bad. You know, there are some people I intentionally avoid asking them how they're doing. Because they will pull out all their problems. It's time we baptize our speech. God spoke. And the invisible realm Gave birth to all that is seen. I call it the language of faith. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say. So we need to speak the language of our redemption. We need to speak the language of our promise. We need to speak the language of what God has ordained for us. He spoke and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. Are we ready for the last one? Faith makes you crazy. That's the other effect it has on you. Hebrews 11 verse 7. By faith Noah built a ship in the middle of a dry land. In a middle of a dry land, here is a guy who's building a ship. He was warned about something he couldn't see and acted on what he was told. His family was saved. His act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the rightness of the believing world. As a result, Noah became intimate with God. So Noah was told about a flood. Meanwhile, in his time and generation, there had never been rain. And he is told to build something in the middle of dry ground. Meanwhile, he's saying, God said there is rain and a flood coming. Something he doesn't know. Something he has never experienced. But every day he's building something that doesn't make sense. You see, if your life is too normal, your life is void of faith. There must be something in your life that does not make sense. There must be something that when the world looks at you, they're like, I, the Wi-Fi has disconnected. 
I remember when I had a short spell in the corporate world and we talked amongst the corridors at work and we talked finances, we talked budgets and they would ask me, do you also pay that 10% Yama politicians at church? Meaning, do you also give tithe? Do you also, in your budget, do you also give tithe? I'm like, that's my lifestyle. That's what I do. I don't budget from 100. I budget from 90. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, Brad, do you know how much you could do with that 10%? I looked crazy. There must be something in your life that's not normal. You see, when I go to a theme park in Houghton, we have it as Gold Roof City. They are rides. They are those merry-go-rounds and those choo-choo trains, right? But I go for the thrill rides. That one, after going through it, you feel like your heart is about to leave your body. Ah, yes. You scream, wigs are falling, people are crying. It's, 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 it's that life of faith. That's how our faith must be. There must be a thrill with how we are believing God. Things can't just be normal. There must be something that gives you a crazy experience in your life. You have to build a ship in middle of dry ground. Not knowing how this ship will lift off, but you are building it. Not knowing what rain looks like, but you are building it. Not knowing how the flood looks like, but you are building. You have to look crazy. You are not stupid, you are just crazy. There's a difference. As children of God, we are not stupid. We are just crazy with how we are believing God. We are just crazy. So what is your crazy in your faith? What is that thrill in your faith? Like there must be something that makes your life's experience thrilling. If your life is casual, you come to church, you go back home, look after your family, and you say you believe God. The God you believe will call you to walk on water. When nothing makes sense, you just do it. I remember when I was leaving the corporate space, going into full-time ministry. Shame. My colleagues were feeling sorry for me. They're like... He's mad. And I need to be mad. Because this faith is a testimony of madness. If there is no testimony of madness, then you are doing this faith thing wrong. We are doing it all wrong. Nowadays, when you say you are preserving yourself for sexual purity, you are the craziest person ever. Sexual purity. Also, sexual purity is not just for the unmarried. It's for the married. It's sexual purity. Meaning, if it's not in the context of your marriage, then it's impure. And if it's in the context out of marriage, it's impure. That's you looking crazy. I mean, these things, we... I'm not sure if I... Sh Let me just share this with you because... I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going to Gauteng. Dad will come and fix it. 
Yeah, I remember when I was telling guys that, no, guys, sexual purity is a thing. And it's a truth. One guy said, Utobola, meaning you will rot. There must be something that's released, man. Now, I've, I've, I've rotten and I have a child. In my rottenness. But it's, it's, it's you allowing yourself to be crazy. To do something the world does not do. These are the positive side effects of faith. That when you confess your faith in Jesus, it filters through how you do life. It filters how you talk. It filters how you do relationships. It filters how you do decisions. It filters through everything. The just shall live by faith. Don't mind me if I'm a little crazy. It's this faith that I'm walking in. Let us stand on our feet. Let us stand. We're going to pray. Just ask God to look into your heart and scan your measure of faith. How far is your faith going in your life? Have you sectionalized faith into one area and not everything in your life? You and God know where your heart is and ask Him. We come to church to behold Jesus as our mirror, right? And He becomes our reflection. We give our defects to Him. We don't hide them. During the pre-prayer experience, we're talking about the unveiled face. We come to God with an unveiled face to say, God, scan me as I reflect. Check my defects and change me into your glory. So just pray. I don't know which area God is speaking to your life regarding faith, but press into that area. Don't hide it. Don't pack it aside. Bring it into the light. Because whatever you hide will remain a stronghold in your life. Amen. Thank you once again for listening to the message today. We trust that you were blessed by it. Please do subscribe to our podcast to receive new messages every week. Thank you very much and keep on building.